the world is talking. World Talk Radio, Studio A. Several generals, north and south, fought on both the eastern and western theaters, but only one that I know of got captured in both theaters. That's General Ed Johnson, and we'll hear more about him from his biographer, Greg Clemmer, on Civil War Talk Radio. When I was 12, my father was killed in an industrial accident at a vacant lot where he worked. My mother insisted I stay in the highway on-ramp to get an education. So she took a job uh, waiting tables at a parking garage to support us. She worked double shifts, and on her break, she would pick me up from the highway on-ramp and drop me off at the big office building, and I'd spend hours and hours just reading books. I remember every Saturday we'd have breakfast at the parking garage, and I'd tell her what I had read, and her eyes would just light up <laughs> because she knew I'd end up in college. Not working at the vacant lot. Like my dad. When we lose a historic place, we lose a part of who we are. To learn how you can help protect places in your community, visit nationaltrust.org. History is in our hands. A message brought to you by the National Trust for Historic Preservation and the Ad Council. Hey, y'all. This is Stephen Cochran. As a country artist, I have traveled around this great country of ours, often meeting our brave men and women in uniform. And as a Marine and veteran of both the Iraq and Afghan conflict, I know how important it is to thank our troops who defend our freedom each and every day. One of the best ways to thank them is to give their children and spouses the gift of education. Scholarships for two years, four years, and vocational school. This is exactly what a national charity, Thanks USA, does. Please go to their website, www.thanksusa.org, to make a generous donation to the Thanks USA Scholarship Fund for the families of the troops, and I thank you. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. Studio A. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Greg Clemmer, and we're discussing the life and times, the life and wars of General Ed Johnson, uh, commander in the uh, of units in the Army of Northern Virginia. And uh, not not the most famous of the war's commanders. He did command a division at Gettysburg, as did Robert Rhodes, subject of our program a few weeks ago, as did Jubal Early, uh, subject of a program we did a while back uh, uh, with his biographer, Don Fons. So we've got uh, the trifecta on Second Corps, uh, Army of Northern Virginia. We've got to start in on... Uh, uh, Heath, Pender, and Anderson for next season. Uh, so biographers get busy on those. We are, I'm hoping to interview the biographer of Wade Hampton, uh, cavalry commander at Gettysburg, before the season is over, and we'll see who else we can do. Um, and then uh, perhaps we can get onto the Union side as well, throw some of those in. But today it's uh, Ed Johnson. Uh, and I do want to uh, jump ahead. We, we couldn't possibly talk about everything in Johnson's long career uh, that you've chronicled uh, very interestingly in your book here. So uh, skipping about a little bit, uh, Johnson does rise to division command at Gettysburg. Now, I, I, I said before the break he's only general captured in both theaters in the war, and I'm immediately right. thinking 
Did anyone else do that? Do you know of anyone else who did that? that that's a great trivia question. Um, offhand, I can't think of anybody else. I, I can't either. Listeners, you will certainly send me email pointing out the error. Please of my do. <laughs> Please if, do. If I've missed anybody. Um, but at Gettysburg, he doesn't get captured. He does show up uh, uh, in time to take part uh, in the fighting at the end of the first day and on the second day. Well, tell us a little bit about Johnson's role at Gettysburg. Uh, what's he doing, and how successful is he? He will be the general um, who's in charge of the longest fight at Gettysburg, but the fight that doesn't get a lot of visibility, and that's the Battle of Gulps Hill, the, the sub-battle of Gettysburg. Um, a lot of press goes to, to pick it, and my Confederate ancestor was in Armstead's brigade. Uh, that's where I showed my initial interest, but Johnson's is more fascinating to me because... It's a fight in the trees, and uh, a number of marvelous books about how the, not only were people killed, but whole forests were killed in the Civil War, and Culp's Hill was one that was just completely mowed down. They couldn't farm timber off of there for, for, for about three decades. Um, Johnson is going to try to, of course, people may be familiar with the, uh, the um, um, fishhook shape of the Union line. Johnson is around that north west or northeastern part of the fish hook, trying to break it, trying to break the, the back side of it. And um, his attack, particularly on the 3rd, was supposed to have coordinated with an attack against the, the Union Center, which would have been Pickett. But the timing was off. Um, and in Johnson's case, on the morning of the 3rd, after battling already a, a blistering, bloody July the 2nd, uh, the Union attacked. And Johnson had to fight off this massive bombardment, at which point he realized that um, all he really could do was hold his lines. Um, I looked for some of the best quotes I could. Uh, there are lots of quotes on Johnson, but the most telling quote I found with who this man is at Gettysburg happened actually on the 4th of July. Now, the soldiers in the trenches that day didn't know that the battle was over. We know that now as students of the war, but there was still some, some killing and dying going on. But the major part of the fighting at Gettysburg was over with on the 3rd, um, but they're still in line. They're still watching. Lee, just like at Antietam, stayed in the lines the day after the battle, like on the 18th of September, not tempting or daring um, McClellan to attack, but um, also Meade you know, George attack. Meade. Um, yeah. He's holding his lines, preserving his lines. Um, on that 4th, um, this is from the pen of one North Carolina veteran who was standing with Johnson's troops. He said that... Um, General Edward Johnson made his appearance on the firing line and said, Men, I want you to fall back to our position of yesterday, but I don't want to see one of you run. Follow me slowly, which we did in good style. This general knew how to fight going in. He knew how to lead going out. If he had a flaw, though, and he certainly had flaws, his flaw was probably the fact that uh, although he dis would display great bravery in these battles, he did not know that the proper place for a major general is not on the front lines. And in battle after battle after battle, he takes up, instead of a point of observation, he will array himself and go in, not with a sword, but with a hunk of wood. He was notorious by picking up sticks, uh, fence rails, um, branches, uh, walking canes, anything. He felt comfortable with it, particularly after he'd been wounded in the ankle at McDowell in 1862. And the accounts are just legendary, hundreds, well, not hundreds, but several dozen accounts of him with these, these pieces of wood going into the battle. And he just could not pull himself back uh, and do what his real job was as a major general, as a division commander.
So the, the nickname Old Clubby, I assume, comes from Absolutely. Well, oh, old, old Clubby, uh, John Castler, who wrote that great memoir uh, from the 33rd Virginia, he called him Old Club, Old Club Foot. Robert Stiles, who wrote a, a nice uh, reminiscence of the war, called him Fence Rail Johnson. Henry Kidd Douglas called him Old Blucher, who was in reference to Napoleon's famous field marshal. And there was a Sergeant Rollins, I don't have his first name, 27th Virginia, who simply referred to Johnson as Brute Johnson. But history knows him as Allegheny or Old Allegheny for his um, rather intrepid fight on the 13th of December, 1861, when these troops were still green up on um, Allegheny Mountain, also known as Camp Allegheny, which is just west of uh, Monterey, Virginia, up on the West Virginia line. Um, when Ed Bars, I know a lot of your readers and your listeners will know the, the name Ed Bars. Ed's been on the show, and I, I bet everybody here has Ed, heard uh, Ed called me sometime. He was going to do a Smithsonian trip up to old up to the, the camp where old Allegheny had defended it in that December cold morning. And he wanted to make sure his directions were right, and he was concerned about getting a bus up there. And I told him, I said, after you get back, you, sir, have been to just about every battlefield of just about every war in North America. Let me know your impressions. He called me back. He said, Greg, he said, that is the best preserved Civil War battle site in the East, if not in the entire war. If you're your listeners can find it. I highly recommend it. Um, you will still see the stone mounds of the chimneys of the winter quarter huts. They're out there in the field of the 31st Virginia, 25th Virginia. You will see the entrenchments. And the only thing that's different from the entrenchments is that they're grassed over. They were not restored by the CCC boys back in the 1930s. And the only thing you're going to notice, maybe there are two things up there that have changed since 1861. The road's the same. There is a modern fence that goes over part of it. And if you look up in the sky, you might see a jet going over. Everything else, except for a little bit of signage off to one side that interprets the battle, it's 1861. It's wow. incredible. Well, that's Allegheny like a, Mountain Summit. A worthwhile side trip. I can, I can hear Ed's voice saying, and it's the best preserved of any <laughs> Civil War site. I'm, I'm just repeating what Ed told me. And I, I knew about it, and the locals know about it. But um, it's not a tour that Ed leads quite often. He's, he's getting up there, but he loves that place. He loves that site. Well, that is wonderful. He's partial to Vicksburg. To look at a more well-known site, and, and tying in, I started uh, telling right. our listeners today about the, the new battle of the wilderness as we try to keep Walmart from desecrating the land there. Um, Johnson, of course, fought at the wilderness and then was captured at the Mule Shoe. Uh, what about what about his? What were the circumstances of his capture? That was a that was um, going to be one of the hinge pins to this book. Um, I needed to get into the very gist of what happened at Spotsylvania, particularly on the the day of the 11th and 12th, which was the, of course the the great bloody battle. Um, a number of historians have said the battle in that rainstorm for 20 hours was probably the most vicious fight of the war. Uh, Johnson, of course, is with his division, 4,500 men, about 85% of them will be captured, and they're captured, ironically, by his old buddy from the 6th Infantry, U.S. Infantry, uh, West Point, good um, brother-in-arms, comrade-in-arms, so to speak, from the Mexican War, Winfield Scott Hancock. And Johnson will have no sword there that day to hand over to, to his old friend, Win Hancock. He will only have a, a stick, and of course that doesn't count. The day before, um, 
probably early on the 11th, Lee had been given some intelligence from the cavalry that Grant was trying to slide around to the east, another on to Richmond, try to get around ahead of him. That's what had precipitated most of the Battle of the Wilderness was Grant trying to slip through the wilderness and get beyond Lee. Lee had to come out of the west and hit Grant's right flank. Uh, Lee suspected he was doing it again, so he ordered Johnson through Ewell to remove his guns, his cannon, from the this salient, this muleshoe-shaped salient. There was a little bit of a rain drizzle on, and Johnson is irate that this is going on. Um, he, he, he something tells him, the sixth sense tells him that uh, that this should not be. But the orders are orders, and the guns are withdrawn. Johnson goes into the night of the 11th with this misty night, looking out on top of the trenches. And the soldiers can tell him, they hear stuff out there. There's this low grinding sound, and they can hear voices, and they can actually hear some of the, the Union bands playing, like maybe as a festival. But behind this band music is this other grinding sound that's getting louder. And Johnson sends back orders, or sends back messages to you, saying, I need my guns back. And Johnson manages to get his guns back about 4.30 in the morning, just as when Hancock assaults the line. And um, a lot of the guns had gotten damp. The men were trying to change the powder, but a lot of the, instead of gunfire along the, the line, there's this pop, 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 just percussion caps going off. Um, you've got a block of not just wave after wave, but a huge block of 20,000 men coming at the salient. They easily break through. Um, it is an absolute free fall. Um, the accounts of Johnson in the middle of this are legioned. Um, I would quote you one from the Union side. Um, this is from a, a prisoner um, writing many years after the war, writing to a Confederate friend, um, quote, We captured a major general. He always wrinkled his eyes, and every time his eyes wrinkled, his ears flopped. Classic Johnson description. He cussed and swore dreadfully, worse than anyone I ever heard. Our officers told us not to kill him. He got a musket and knocked down 15 men before we could stop him. Wow. Well, that, it, that, it, that he really does fill. I, I see Ed Johnson as almost a caricature in some ways. The, the profane language, the physical uh, characteristics, the, the appearance, the, the club. Uh, yes. the uh, awkwardness with the ladies but uh, he's not the uh, person in, in Mary Chestnut's book no but that was uh, the caricature uh, truly a remarkable figure his story uh, is worth reading and I recommend uh, to listeners take a look at uh, old Allegheny and learn more about this remarkable character uh, Greg I wish we could talk about him more but we've run out of time name, yes. thank you for being on Civil War Talk Radio thank you for having me my pleasure and listeners Thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. Studio A.